Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. It's so good to be back. And welcome to Progress After Dark. We're so glad to have you with us here at the Night Spot. Chris Hauselt's our executive producer, running this thing from the South Carolina Bureau. The mighty Thea Harper is running this thing from Brooklyn. I'm so glad we have you with us. we got a great one tonight. Uh, David Rothkopf will be joining us. He was, of course... Uh, a member of the Clinton administration. You might know him as a great professor at uh, Columbia University. His new piece in the Daily Beast, I, I read it and I'm like, oh my God, we got it. Will Rothkopf come back to talk about this? Uh, it's all about how two years into a presidency, Joe Biden has revolutionized America's economic policy, both home and abroad. And the media is not paying enough attention to how much of an impact he's actually had. The piece is called How Bidenomics Has Finally Defeated Reaganomics. Uh, we're also going to be joined by our good friend Bob Seska later on in this hour to talk about the political headlines of the day. Uh, I'm sure you know what we're talking about. There's quite a lot going on right now. I got to thank Naira Hawk for filling in last night and and classing the join up. My God, it's like I, I'm 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 so confident. I'm so confident in the work I do on this show that I will invite in substantially better broadcasters to fill in for me. I'm so confident in in. My skills as a charming sociopath to convince you that this is I'm, I'm doing a good job, that I'll, I'll have someone way superior to me come and fill in. We're always so grateful to Nayara. She's just the best. Um, I had a great show last night. I was performing in Brooklyn for the Proton Prom for Story Collider. Janine Garofalo was there and our friend Natalia Reagan. Uh, really, really fun show. This Friday night, uh, I'm also not going to be here as well. I'm performing live in Connecticut, a storyteller series with uh, Ophira Eisenberg. I don't like missing... The radio show for for random weeknight gigs i don't like it sometimes i get caught in these things i promise to do and then things get moved and i get sheepish but uh the, here's the real good reason you got to be with us because this coming friday night we are going to be premiering our brand new interview with Smokey robinson he came into studio thea and i met with him we have a great great conversation we're thrilled to bring you this friday night on the show and premiere it also thanks to the magic of chris household we will be bringing you our 
a very special 2020 interview that we recorded quite early in the coronavirus lockdown with the late, great Gordon Lightfoot, uh, who we lost this week at the age of 84. So two of our favorite musicians will be joining us on the show on Friday. It's going to be a very special encore presentation of our conversation with uh, with Gordon. And the film, if you could read my mind, it just opened the documentary about his life and career. It's just great. Uh, I'm so thrilled Chris was able to locate this interview. So... Lots of stuff going down. If you're in Connecticut on Friday, you can come see me and Ophira live as well. That'll be all over my social media. I, I think, are we Are we good? Are we ready? We're ready to start a show? Let's do a show. Hmm? Where are we? Uh, we got another shooting. We got another Powell interest rate hike. We got another class for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame today. We got another Trump lawsuit tossed out of court. We got another woman testifying in court that she was sexually assaulted by Trump. We got another high-profile Democrat calling on Dianne Feinstein to resign. Uh, And most importantly for tonight, we have another racist Tucker Carlson text and another unarmed black man murdered in public while people watch. It's White Supremacist Wednesday. And we we have to begin by talking about how white men fight. More and more, we're learning how much Fox News despises Tucker Carlson. And more and more, we're learning that Fox hates this little chinless weasel so much, they've decided they don't want him to ever be employable anywhere again. And a text he sent to his producers the day after the January 6th terrorist attack on our Capitol set off an internal crisis with the Fox News board just before Rupert and co. settled their mammoth three-quarter of a billion dollar defamation case and... Fired, Tucker. More racism. Now, again, you have to remember with Fox, they don't mind the racism. They mind when the racism makes them look bad. In the hours after the terrorist attack on our Capitol, I don't like calling it an insurrection. Tucker Carlson wrote, he had watched this video. You've probably heard the quote by now. I was on the subway last night at 11 o'clock when this broke and I was reading it on, on, on the F train. Tucker had seen a video of an Antifa kid being beaten by three Trump guys, jumping a guy that is like that is dishonorable, obviously. It's not how white men fight. Yet suddenly I found myself rooting for the mob against the man, hoping they'd hit him harder, kill him. The New York Times broke this last night. Did you catch that? Tucker Carlson thinks that white men are better at beating people up. Now, the text is awful, but it's not inconsistent with the stuff he said on the air every night for years. And it was just a text. However, thanks to the magic of AI, you can now hear Tucker's own voice saying Tucker's own words out loud. There are times when I would think this was inappropriate. This is not one of those times. Uh, Here is an AI rendition of Tucker Carlson's own voice saying Tucker Carlson's own words. Lincoln Project added music. I was was just going to say via the Lincoln Project. I feel like we're on the Disney ride entering. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching video of people fighting on the street in Washington. A group of Trump guys surrounded an Antifa kid and started pounding the living shit out of him. It was three against one, at least. Jumping a guy like that is dishonorable, obviously. It's not how white men fight. Yet suddenly I found myself rooting for the mob against the man, hoping they'd hit him harder, kill him. I really wanted them to hurt the kid. I could taste it. 
So anyway, first off, how good was that? Is it creepy, Chris? We were playing the, the Beatles, new Beatles AI last week where you could hear Paul singing John solo songs. I, I, that that sounded exactly like Tucker doing one of his monologues. I was impressed. Um, in a way, yes. I was very. It's very impressive. Yes. <laughs> well, so I mean, here, here's certain, the deal. There's, there's certain douchiness that's missing. That's not. It's not nailing it 100. percent I it disagree. Be, it, I, I, it I think the AI actually captured Tucker's petulance and the way his words go up at the end. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's hard to believe that that text message was a problem for the executives at Fox News, right? I mean, think about the stuff you've heard Tucker say every night on the air. Think about how many times you've heard. The white replacement theory, how many times he's talked about shifting demographics <laughs> that distress traditional Americans, meaning white people don't like their browner neighbors or browner country. And we know in the case of Tucker Carlson, they, they don't care at Fox News what he said on the air. They don't care if it was his true views. They don't care if it was pandering to his audience. The audience stayed. The audience of Tucker watched a lot of commercials from my pillow. Fox didn't care about the racist stuff wrapped around the MyPillow commercials. You know what Fox cared about? That it would come out in court. It's Fox that leaked it. And you should be really ready, because as much as the media said, whoa, this is what they're holding back, I would bet money. I would bet the money Tucker inherited from the Swanson frozen fish stick empire that Fox will be leaking more embarrassing details. <laughs> and what about this? It's not how white men fight. We're going to be taking that phrase apart for weeks, but that should give you an idea of how Tucker talks when no one's around. That should give you an idea of what he thinks is acceptable, that he could actually send those words in a text message. Now, what do you mean how white men fight? Thousands of white men stormed our Capitol building the day before he sent this, and they ganged up and savagely beat police officers who were vastly outnumbered. They were trying to find Mike Pence to hang him without a trial. That's 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 how white nationalist men fight. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about lynchings where men would track down men and women, mobs and murder them and hang them and pose for photos. But Tucker would say that is that how white men fight? I mean, the mob attack is exactly how a certain kind of white man fights. White nationalist men because they're cowards. You're white men. Tucker, people who embrace Trumpism, because Trumpism is all about cowardly mob violence. And we know it. We know it from his rallies. We know it from January 6th. We know it from all the hate crimes that have gone up. Fox didn't fire Tucker over his racism. His racism is what gave him good ratings. <laughs> I mean, this was done because Fox was trying to forestall shareholder lawsuits. Fox was trying to have a worse payout. Think about this. How racist are the messages Fox is too scared to release, right? And, and again, if you don't believe me, just keep this in mind. That was just last night's embarrassing leak about Tucker. Every day there's more. Today, someone released to Media Matters of all parties a brand new behind-the-scenes video of Tucker Carlson on the set of his show, taking off his makeup with a wipe when it was done. I want to play you a little bit about this because this is interesting as well. Imagine Fox leaking to media matters when your job is literally to watch Fox all day. But here's Tucker talking about how he was triggered by the Dominion lawyer who he, well, you can hear what he calls him during his deposition. Well, that was a week, I'll say. Tucker on set. <laughs> Holy shit. Ten hours. 
that slimy little motherfucker sitting across from me. Oh, you're the best. And I wasn't talking about you. It's just the opposite. To the lady who brings him a makeup. No, I'm not. What do you mean? Because you've never been this affirmed in your life? <laughs> but, uh, thank you, Alex. Have a happy weekend. See you, man. Um, the amount, uh, it was so unhealthy, the hate, thank you, Teresa, the hate that I felt for that guy. I mean, thank you, Todd. I, I, how never, could you not? I, well, I never feel that way, you know, because I don't put myself, I don't want to feel that way. I think it's wrong. It's bad. It's totally bad for you to feel that way. But that guy, I mean, he triggered the shit out of me. Where are you now? Where do you live? <laughs> the amount of times I had, first of all, fuck you on my lips, was like, it was unbelievable. He, suggesting that I was that I was cheating on my taxes? Really? Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So where what's where are you domiciled? Where are you now? Do you own a home there? I was like, no, I do not own a home in Maywood. Oh, this little trust fund millionaire at birth brat talking about all the homes he owns. You know what? Here's the thing, folks. You can relax about Tucker. He's done. He's done like disco. Tucker's like the Talking Heads reunion. He's not going to happen. I was saying last week that Tucker's been sent to Bill O'Reilly Island. That's not fair. Bill O'Reilly still works. Tucker's been sent to Denny Hastert Island. Fox News is making sure Rupert Murdoch himself, who was so angry at Tucker that he took it upon himself to fire him on the phone. Not Lachlan, not Tucker's agent. Rupert did it himself. And Rupert is making sure Lil Tucky will be unemployable. For a very long time. That's just the stuff that's been released in the last 24 hours. But I want to shift. Because while that's kind of mirthful and fun to mock the kind of white supremacists that don't get their hands dirty. Here in New York City, we're about to have a reckoning with racial justice. And you may have heard about it. I can guarantee if you haven't, this story is not going to go away. It's happened in so many cities. It happens all the time in the South. We've seen it happen in the West. New York is going to have another racial murder scandal on their hands. A homeless man has died on our subway earlier today after a wannabe vigilante put him in a chokehold for 15 minutes. There were videos published in the New York Post earlier today. And there was a witness, Juan Alberto Vasquez, who told the Post that uh, the victim, who was, uh, was a homeless man asking for food, and then started screaming in an aggressive manner. The video is all over the place online, and you can see a passenger strangling 30-year-old Jordan Neely to death on the New York City subway. Now, Mr. Neely was yelling on the train because he was hungry. He had not physically attacked anybody. He was shouting. If you've ever ridden the New York City subways or lived here for any sustained amount of time, you know that you will see mentally ill homeless people on the trains, and they will shout. They will ask for money. You'll see a lot of people who are looking to cop and, and trying to get money for their fix because they got to get high. You'll see people detoxing. You'll see people having seizures and having breakdowns. You'll see people struggling with hunger and humiliation and mental illness almost every day. It happens because we as a society have decided that poverty is acceptable. We as a society have decided that having homeless people living in the streets is, is acceptable and that it's not worth civic resources to house these people and begin letting them have a more stable life where they can build up to having a job, paying taxes, paying into our social security system, 
trying to find themselves and realize their full potential. We haven't found a way to make money off of saving homeless people. And so we will have more homeless people. We do not prevent problems in this country. We treat symptoms. But here's the thing about the Jordan Neely case. Jordan Neely is black. And the 24-year-old ex-Marine who killed him, well, you can guess. He's, he's, he's white. Now, Jordan Neely was uh, actually rather well-known in, in the New York City subways. You'll see a lot more videos right now online of him because he used to be a Michael Jackson impersonator. And he was pretty good. He would ride the trains and play Billie Jean and have the clothes and look like 80s Michael, not 90s Michael. And he would dance and get tips. A lot of people in New York know him. He's fallen on hard times and he was shouting on the train saying he was hungry. He said he didn't care if he went to jail. He threw his jacket on the ground at one point. And when he threw his jacket on the ground in frustration, this 24 year old white man came up behind him, put him in a chokehold, took him to the ground and held him for so long that Mr. Neely passed out. And when the EMS workers finally arrived, they couldn't revive him. Now, the witness said that no one on the train thought that Mr. Neely was in danger of dying. But he also said it was apparent that Neely had passed out or ran out of air. The perpetrator, again, is 24. He's an ex-Marine. Cops came, took him into custody, and then they released him without charges. Think about this. An American citizen with mental illness was strangled by another passenger on a train. A man was acting erratically and a 24 year old white man decided to kill him and was then released without charges. This is a lynching. And the New York police department allowed the murderer to walk because we are in a time when this city tries to show strength by treating its most neglected citizens as disposable things and because being poor is increasingly being criminalized under Eric Adams, a mayor who does not have the tools to prevent the problems, only has the tools to sweep them under the rug as brutally as possible. Jordan Neely deserved better. He attacked no one. He laid his hands on no one. He assaulted no one. Here's the statement from Eric Adams and Eric Adams released it in print. He did not say it into a microphone which is unfortunate because then he would have had to actually say the man's name out loud. Eric Adams said, any loss of life is tragic. There's a lot we don't know about what's happened here, so I'm going to refrain from commenting further. However, we do know that there were serious mental health issues in play here, which is why our administration has made record investments in providing care to those who need it and getting people out of the streets and on the subways and out of dangerous situations. And I need all elected officials and advocacy groups to join us in prioritizing getting people the care they need and not just allowing them to languish. You understand what just happened there in the statement I just read from the mayor of New York City? a Democrat, an African-American, a former cop. He just used the killing, the murder of Jordan Neely, who attacked no one. He used that to congratulate himself and pat himself on the back for all the work he's done in getting care to people on the subway. He couldn't even put Jordan Neely's name in his statement. Never said the name of the man who was killed. Mayor Adams has spent almost his entire time in office obsessing and getting old people to freak out over subway crime and sending cops to violently sweep homeless people out of parks and off sidewalks. And those aren't solutions. There was a protest later on today, a few hours later on an NYC subway platform in response to this vigilante murder. Here's a quick clip. These are New Yorkers 
and they shut down the trains uh, to protest. Here's what they were chanting about our mayor. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a congresswoman from New York City. She tweeted tonight. Yeah, they just kept on going with that one. Uh, AOC tweeted, Jordan Neely was murdered. But because Jordan was houseless and crying for food in a time when the city is raising rents and stripping services to militarize itself, while many in power demonize the poor, the murderer gets protected with passive headlines and no charges. It's disgusting. And she's right. This guy was a human being. He was a New Yorker. And he had mental illness. And this city's social safety net failed him. This country's social safety net failed him, as it had failed many other people. And he showed signs of mental illness in public. And for that, he got murdered on the F train. You know, Eric Adams made a big, a big show of putting more cops in the subway and talked about it a lot. He was funneling more money to get more cops in the subway. That's all we heard. We're going to put more cops in the subways. And yet, a guy in the subway was able to choke someone for 15 minutes until he was dead. Nah. And what has the right wing said about this all day? Yeah, well, you know what? He was arrested before. He was arrested like 40 times. Yeah, he was a mentally ill homeless person. Well, he was arrested 40 times, which makes the murder okay. They'll always find a reason to say the murder was... Well, George Floyd was on fentanyl. Breonna Taylor was rude to a cop. Rodney King was high. Emma Till whistled at that white girl. None of them deserve to die. Being homeless is illegal in this country. Trespassing, panhandling, you know, loitering, vagrancy laws, all these crimes, public urination. It's using as an excuse to arrest people who don't have a place to live, to throw people in a cage because they don't have adequate public facilities to use. We can either prevent poverty or... We can deal with the symptoms of poverty. But a Marine strangled this man on a car in full view of other people because he was acting erratically. That's enough. And the cops let him go. The guy clearly needed mental health care. Instead, he died being strangled by a vigilante with bystanders doing nothing. And the guy who killed Jordan Neely was not protecting himself. He was not protecting anybody else in that car. He was the product of a right-wing cultural movement that has normalized everyday Civilian citizens deciding, I get to be a judge, I get to be an executioner. It was a lynching, because this man was perceived as a threat, and the man who killed him knew that this black homeless man's life was disposable. Put in a chokehold. Sound familiar? And the white man who killed him remains uncharged. Sound familiar? <sighs> By the way, the New York Post and all these papers, they always publish the names of people who've been alleged to commit crimes. They're not identifying the person who killed Jordan Neely on the subway. They know who he is. They know his name. Who killed him? Who killed Jordan Neely? Why don't we know his name? Why was he allowed well, to walk? Yeah, Chris? John, don't worry, because what we do know, thanks to the New York Post and other newspapers, is that Jordan Neely, you know, did have an arrest record. Yep. Uh, for for drugs, disorderly conduct, and there was a warrant out, you know, on a November 21 case. So they're going to continue to bend over backwards to somehow yeah. justify his death post-mortem. That's it. That's it. Eric Garner was selling loose cigarettes. That's illegal. You know, I mean, Trayvon Martin, you know, should have just should have just 
Let George Zimmerman push him around on the sidewalk. Shouldn't have fought back. There's always a reason to say that he deserved to die. And in case you're wondering, the New York Medical Examiner's Office announced today that Jordan Neely died from compression of neck, chokehold. They have determined the manner of death to be homicide. We'll see if New York politics cares. We're going to take a very quick break, and we will be right back with the great Bob Seska and your calls. This is Progress After Dark. We're going to be doing this all night. We're so glad to have you with us. Don't go anywhere. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. We're waiting on Bob Seska to join us in just a moment. Let's go to the phones for a second while we have this time. Andre is calling from California. Andre, thanks for waiting on hold. You're on SiriusXM. So here's what I wanted to say, you know. I think it's tragic that the man um, was choked to death, and I do believe that the guy who choked him to death shouldn't be walking out of the police station quite so easily. I think that's a big problem. However, that being said, I also recognize that if the guy's got a lot of priors, you know, and he's acting in a way that seems threatening to other people, um, that's also problematic. And I think that a lot of the analogies you made. To, you know, to certain, like, the guy that um, Zimmerman killed. There's no analogy there. There's no similarity there. Well, what, but, but if I may, the guy, the guy who choked him to death, but if I may, the guy who choked him to death didn't know about his priors. Yeah, the guy who I, choked him I, to I death knew nothing that. of his record. And that's why I said he shouldn't be sauntering out of the police station. Right on. But, I mean, you have a problem with homelessness that's beyond imagination in certain areas. I mean, I live in a yeah. suburb of Redondo, and the suburb's okay. We don't have tents in our parks. We have homeless yeah. everywhere, but they haven't they haven't pitched tents. They have they're not they're not well. They are in recreational vehicles, 
you know, um, throughout the coastal cities. So that right. that's that's happening. Um, no, I, 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 I've lived problem, in Santa Monica. I know how it is. Right. It's 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 a huge problem, and it's not enough to say yes. These people need help. They do, and there's a lot of money that's been allocated to helping them, and you know, corrupt politicians and other. It disappears. Poof. But I sure, mean, but I don't think there's been enough money. The matter, there's also a an unfortunate matter of people, you know, I mean, dude, I, I've worked my whole life real hard, and I've made pretty good money, and now I'm retired at a young age. But uh-huh. I'm also pretty sick because I worked so hard for what I got. Okay. I have my little tiny house. It's not some sprawling mansion where okay. I share a driveway with someone because I can't even okay. afford to live near the coast. And have you know a tiny little thing. I got it. Says street cred to me, and that's okay. Cool. And okay. and then I have God, you know. Sorry. And then in the last ten years, literally, this all happened within the last ten years. You know, we've got a huge increase in crime, so everyone feels nervous. All right. of my neighbors feel uncomfortable. You right. know, you've got you've got homelessness pitching tents all over the place. While, know, while, while the rich get richer, we have to add that. We have to add that in. You can't talk about you can't talk about how poverty is leading to more crime without talking about the fact that we have billionaires who made hundreds of billions during a pandemic. That the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer, and we're all still living under Reaganomics. I agree completely with that. I don't disagree with any of that. But right that on. Still doesn't get rid of. It still doesn't get rid of the reality. I know. I'm. I'm saying we should do. We should do much more. We should do. I mean, in Germany, they'll buy luxury buildings and fill them with homeless people. And conservatives are behind it because they want to solve the problem. We don't want to spend money on poverty. We. This is America. We treat symptoms. We don't prevent terrorism. We fight terrorists. We don't prevent unwanted pregnancies. We fight each other over abortion, and we don't prevent poverty. We. We fight petty street crime. But this guy here, this was. This has nothing to do with any of it. He was a mentally ill man on the subway. And this white 24-year-old was able to put him in a chokehold and murder him because the white 24-year-old was confident he would not suffer a penalty for it. And again, this man, Jordan Neely, did not touch anyone, didn't lay a finger on anyone. He was shouting on the train. Someone came up behind him and choked him. I agree. And this is a searing example of everything that's wrong. Yeah. Everything that's wrong with the homeless situation. Well, because, because, again, if the politicians treat the homeless, if if the... If the politicians treat the homeless as disposable pests, citizens will as well. Right now, Karen Bass, who seems to have other political desires, uh, is is basically trying to, with emergency, you know, declarations and things like that, to put the homeless indoors as a first step. As a first step. And there's a lot of money behind that. And there's a lot of development behind it. It doesn't seem like you believe in it. There is a lot... What do you think should be done? What do you think should what what do you think should be done? Because you know, big business won't get behind this unless they can make money off of it. So, what do you think is a solution for the homelessness problem that's only getting worse again as the divide between the haves and have-nots gets greater in this country? There's a couple of things. I, I think that one thing is there needs to be shared responsibility throughout municipalities. You can't have one municipality saying, "Oh, you know what? I don't want any homeless people in my city." I'd rather pay the fine because I'm a rich area. And then you have others shouldering all the burden because that creates ghettos. Okay? Sure. And that's what's yeah. happening now. You, yeah. you know, I mean, rich cities are saying, F you, you know, I'm not interested. But you know what? I'll pay your stupid fine. I don't care. I'm rich. 
I got gotcha. you. But again, you this know, is going to require it would, it would require it would require of dealing with the whole situation. I think there right. needs to be a, a humongous, humongous effort around mental health. Okay? Yeah, I mean, I think so too. That's one of the reasons why we need single payer health care right now. The, but let me answer your question. Let me answer your question. Oh, okay, and then finally, I gotta go. Please. please. Get to it, for God's sakes. You you spend five minutes soft-approving vigilante homicide while well, we've got guests waiting while he's just I know, blathering that's why, on. Well, that's why I want him to get to the answer, because our guest is the, sitting in a hallway the somewhere. okay to vigilante homicide, because he hates homeless people. That's that's. Go ahead, Andre. What's your answer? You know what? That attitude is part of the problem, dude. That is yeah, okay. so short-sighted. <laughs> okay. Uh, Andre, i got to go. I'm sorry. My guest call. is waiting. Do you want to uh, make a final point? Yeah, no, I think there needs, there needs to be a huge effort in resolving the mental health crisis. Yes, you know? I agree it with you. started back with Reagan. I, I that, understand all of that. You've and that an comes with increased funding, right? Who Single payer. All like La La Land. Single payer so, for every you know, player, right? I'm living it. Are you? Okay. Everyone who needs mental health care in this country should be able to get it free, correct? Absolutely. Right yes, on. Agree we agree. Love Fest. I got to run. Thank you for your call. Bye. I, I'm sorry you triggered my producer, but he's very territorial about things like this. And, you know, you were totally soft-pedaling murder. Okay, because uh, he, he was. Uh, Bob Seska would not soft-pedal murder. No, no, no. Bob Seska puts murder front and center. He's the host of the Bob Seska Show, where he slays on a daily basis. It's one of the smartest podcasts you can have. Uh, we are blessed to have the star of the Stephanie Miller Show, starofstallon.com. Mr. Seska, welcome back. That was a world class segue. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. I just <laughs> yeah, love I, I just want Chris with me for every near bar fight I ever get in. I want to point that out. Uh, there's another dimension to this issue that your caller doesn't understand, which is the drug issue, which has yeah. to do with this new kind of meth, the P2P meth. It's not it's not new. It's a resurgent form of meth right. that was, in fact, talked about quite a bit on Breaking Bad on that show. In it's witness that kind well, of meth. P2P is the kind of speed they're talking about in, in Harrison Ford's witness almost 40 years. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what that does, you know, the the pseudoephedrine meth. Turns you into the life of the party, and you're yes. a blast to be around, and you've got all kinds of energy to. Oh, so have we're talking about Chris again, and... exactly. When Chris is on the good meth, that's a, he's he's so much. Oh my God, his Chris Walker yeah. is hilarious. He's great to be around. Exactly, Star Trek fanfic just yeah. comes rolling right out. It's amazing. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to the P2P meth. The uh, the the anecdotal descriptions of how this stuff works is it, it turns you into a monster. I mean, I, I heard it described as one guy wanting to relentlessly stab his mattress, thinking that his girlfriend was hiding a, a guy she was having sex with inside the mattress. Yeah. It just turns you into a maniac. And then there's well, we, also we've all the, seen that side of Chris as well. So, yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> and then there's the the fentanyl, which has a very short high in comparison to normal heroin. And so consequently, a lot of people who are addicted to that fentanyl stay in these encampments because the dealers are right there. And if they don't have access to the fentanyl, then they go through horrible withdrawals. So they have to constantly re-up their supply of fentanyl and that's why you end up with a lot of these encampments and it's something that they know can't this control. by the way these these encampments are sort of like you know semi-contained red light districts if you will for the poor they yeah. know the drugs are there they know the abuse yep. is there and they keep the homeless there to keep it all concentrated in one place yeah and it's not it's not a matter of choice it's a matter of just the worst kind of addiction 
tethering you to these uh, these encampments. And I think that gets lost in the conversation, especially with someone who believes that either we should be murdering them or rounding them up into concentration camp, re-education camps like Donald Trump is proposing. Right. They just don't fully grasp the complexities and the multi-layered aspect of why people are existing like this and why there happens to be a surge right now. It's not the usual explanations that you could talk about in the 80s or whatever. This is a new kind of thing that we're talking about here with regard to homeless people. And I wish more people could understand the nuance of it as you do. Uh, I mean, but unfortunately, that club, can't happen. The Billionaires Club keeps getting bigger. Yeah, the homeless population keeps getting bigger and the middle right. class keeps getting smaller. And that's yep. what I've witnessed since the 80s when I was a kid, you know, and I yeah. thought homelessness was terrible in the 80s when I was a teenager and living in New York City. And I couldn't imagine it being worse. And then I went to South America and realized I didn't know what I was talking about. But my God, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse in California. It's gotten worse in New York. It's gotten worse around the country. And it's gotten worse because we've decided it's acceptable. Yeah. You know, we're not and, interested and in preventing poverty. We're interested in locking up uh, uh, street crime perpetrators. We're not interested in preventing the poverty that leads to that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that uh, and I'm not a big Bernie Sanders guy, but one of the things he nails every single time he opens his mouth is when he talks about the middle class and having a robust middle class. And you lose that stepping stone between being poor and being wealthy. Then you stay poor. <laughs> There's no way to jump from being poor to being wealthy. It just can't happen without a vibrant middle class. And that's why, uh, you know, there are so many policies that end up languishing in Congress because there's not enough support to uh, uh, to lift up the middle class and make it more robust as it, as it has been in the past. Exactly. Such a shame. Yeah. For me, the whole point is this was a lynching. You know, I mean, clearly he was a mentally ill homeless person, but again, he didn't lay a finger on anybody. He right. was shouting on the subway. I see mentally ill people having fits on the subway couple times a week, if it's late yeah. at night, more. And this man walked up behind him, got him in a chokehold, held him for 15 minutes until he died because this man was confident he could do that in America as a white man to a homeless black man and not spend an hour behind bars. And the cops yeah. let him go. The, there's another case where there's a guy going around San Francisco spraying homeless people with bear spray. And so then when they when they try to defend themselves, the guy videotapes and says, oh, I was attacked by this homeless guy. What's going on? Well, you just what you didn't show is you spraying the homeless person with bear spray, you know, and, and, you, and you bring up the my God. Who, who would Jesus bear spray? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That what you do to the least of my brothers, you know? And I just, I don't understand this mentality where it's just, uh, we don't understand the vast complexities of this. In fact, what what's happening a lot of times, and especially in these cases, is uh, they're being used as scapegoats. They're being used as, uh, as, uh, as, uh, 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 punching bags and and ways to vent rage against whatever the mm. social issues you're concerned about with domestic issues that you might be having in your home taking it out on homeless people because they're defenseless it's like i'm not comparing homeless people to the trans community but the trans community also is small enough to be not as capable of defending itself right. as a much larger demographic in this country so no, consequently they get kicked around quite a bit because it's an easy target. It's low-hanging fruit for conservatives. Bob, let me ask you then about a much less complex dynamic, a much simpler 
uh, story in the news, which is CNN has decided to give an hour of propaganda to Donald Trump, hosted by a yep. journalist who used to write copy for Tucker Carlson. Um, you know, I've been saying for a long time, every 10 years, CNN has to have a new boss come in who thinks the way to reboot this channel is to chase the Fox audience, and it never works. But it seems like we're watching this all over again. What are your thoughts on CNN normalizing Donald Trump? Well, that's just it. They're treating him as though he's, you know, Chris Dodd running for president, where I assume some of the questions are going to be, well, what would you do about inflation, Donald Trump? What's your thoughts on foreign policy, Donald Trump? It's the normalizing him him that is the problem here. It's not necessarily I I mean, I, I believe that I think more people need to hear what Donald Trump is saying. I think more people need to be exposed to his madness, especially now. The the crazy things that he's been saying since the previous election are super important, not just from um, not just from a political point of view, where I think he'll scare a lot of swing voters into voting for Democrats. I think he'll scare oh, a think, lot of independent or do you voters. Think he'll, or do you think he'll come on and Caitlin Collins will pretend to ask tough questions and Trump will be all charm and he'll seem like, uh, oh, the old Trump celebrity we know and love. And what was that other stuff he did? We did? I didn't agree with the insurrection, but oh, he wasn't that bad because that's what oh, I yeah. think we're going to see. I think it's going to be shocking in its blandness and that will be the normalization process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about having him on CNN in a town hall so we can expose ourselves to Donald Trump. I don't think that's I I believe more people should be seeing his ridiculous videos and some of his Fox News hits and some of like he did an interview with Nigel Farage today, which was just absolutely ludicrous talking about how Joe Biden should attend the coronation that's going to happen there when, in fact, no president has ever attended a a coronation in England. That just never occurred. And likewise, no uh, king, queen or prime minister has ever attended a presidential inauguration, by the way. So but that was. You know, things like that, I think people should be exposed to. But when it comes to CNN holding town halls, that's the worst possible way to do it. That is a you're you're treating this guy as though that four years didn't happen. The couple of years after it, the couple of years before it, as though it didn't happen, as though he didn't preside over the deaths of 400,000 Americans in his final year in office, exacerbating that pandemic to where some studies have shown that he's uh, his inaction, his incompetence caused 180,000 deaths from COVID that didn't need to happen. And we're going to have him on to talk about, oh, yeah, what do you what do you think about gerrymandering? <laughs> well, Bob, you no, call those no, facts. no, you, you, you call yeah. that facts. I, I call it bias. Um, and yeah. and that's exactly, you know, they're not going to ask those questions. They because if they ask tough questions. Some right wing guy will accuse CNN of being biased and Chris Licht will run away from that. You know, real journalists are supposed to ask tough questions. Real journalists are supposed to question those in power. CNN's job is getting ratings. You know, I I, I don't know if this will turn it around for them. But I do want to ask you, speaking of opinion polls, uh, the Fox News poll on proposals to reduce gun violence. You know, this one, this is a very exciting Fox News poll. Um, Here here are the results. Uh, Hang on. Background checks for guns, 87%. Enforce existing gun laws, 81%. Legal age 21 to buy all guns, 81%. Ban assault weapons, 80%. Fox News poll, more citizens carrying guns, only 45%. (laughs) That's the Fox poll, Bob. That's the Fox poll. 
it, it, it's just remarkable. The 80 percent number for uh, support of a ban on assault weapons is just gigantic. And what this really illustrates, John, is not just this overwhelming. I mean, we're talking about 20 points over and above the supermajority level. We we consider the supermajority in Congress or in the Senate in particular to be a, to be 60 votes. That's 60 percent. This is 20 percent higher than that. It's 80 yeah. percent support for a ban on assault weapons among American voters. Yeah. That is a remarkable thing, not In just from that poll. level of support. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Fox Fox, it's a Fox <laughs> News poll. That means and people it, with landlines. It's old white people with landlines answering the phone. And even they feel this way. That's right. And, but Republicans don't care because they're owned by the gun lobby. That's yeah. entire the Republican constituency on on guns isn't voters. It's not the American people. Even if you are a, a died in the wall Republican voter, you're a conservative. The Republican Party does not represent you on this issue. They don't oh. care about you. If they do, it's by default. They're not representing your particular gun rights. What the Republican Party is tasked with doing is helping the gun lobby to sell as many firearms as possible. That's the mission. Profit, 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 profit. Why do you yes, think the gun lobby is in business working for the gun manufacturers? That's why the Second Amendment is nothing but a sales pitch That's for right. selling guns. If they cared about the Second Amendment and everyone being armed, Bob, they would promote 3D printable guns at home. They don't. <laughs> right. They care right. about profits for gun manufacturers. And in our final minute, any thoughts on Tucker's latest text message? Because I think there is more to come, Bob. I think Rupert is going to make little Tucky unemployable. I was just going to say the same thing, John. I don't think this is the text message that got him fired because he said things as bad or almost as bad as what was in that text message as far as how non-whites get into fist fights dishonorably that was kind of that's exactly what he was saying in this uh, text message he said things that are almost as things that are maybe worse than that on his show so what i think is this is maybe just well we want this issue to go away so here's this thing we're going to unredact this and have this the other thing is it sounds like something that he was spitballing as a possible script for his show that night, something yeah, that he exactly. may have wanted to say on the show, pop into the teleprompter and have it ready to go by eight o'clock. I think that's entirely possible. And perhaps the bad mouthing of the Fox executive that we've heard about as the possible cause for his firing came because the Fox executives were like, well, no, you can't say this. Don't the say C, this. The on C your word show incident. Tonight. Yeah. I love the whole yeah, C word yeah. incident so much, Bob, because after, after years of being one in public, he got fired for calling one in private. It's kind of kind of lovely. Mr. Sesco, what is the yep. best way for our evil army of the night to follow you and keep up with all your doings? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is the Bob Seska, the traditional spelling of Seska. I don't know if that's even a thing, but also I'm on uh, Patreon, BobSeskaShow.com. That's my uh, podcast. You can find me there. Also, everywhere you get your podcasts. It's so good to see you, Bob. And remember, that's not how white men fight. Remember. <laughs> Not how white men fight. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a moment with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is Progress. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We're going to be joined very shortly by the great David Rothkopf. He's got a new piece in Daily Beast called How Bidenomics Finally Beat Reaganomics. But let's go to the phones. Y'all have been waiting a long time, and I want to hear from you. And some of you have thoughts about our new BFF, Andre. Well, Chris's new BFF, Andre, in California. Chris, I hate when you flirt with them the way you do. Uh, D in Nevada. Welcome. You're on Progress. Hi. I just wanted Hi. to comment on the homeless thing. Um I, when I moved up to Reno in, in, uh, when I was 18, it was uh, Lyndon Johnson's Great Society before Reagan destroyed it all. It, mm. There was apartment buildings, low cost for young people to go to college, to start their life, affordable. As soon as you made more, they might kick you out into a real apartment. Right. But there was no, it wasn't fancy. So no oil floors, no dishwasher, no garbage disposal, no air conditioning. Right. And but yeah, just basics, just basics to give people the beginnings of a life of dignity to let them begin to get their lives together, so they can think about getting a job and getting back into the workforce and back into society. Exactly. And my small town, half of my neighbors were my neighbors from my hometown going to college. Yeah. I got a job with. I got a good union job. And left that, but um, Reagan ruined that, too, because Reagan was a union buster. That's correct. You know? That's correct. Uh, yet he used the union to get his, make his political aspirations. We have yeah. come so far socially on so many different progressive issues, but economically, we are still stuck in the damage that Ronald Reagan did to the middle class and for poor and working people. And I, I hope you'll stick around because uh, David Rothkopf's piece in The Daily Beast is really, really great on that point. Thank you so much. For I will calling. be listening because um, I'm a Catholic, too. Ah, well, <laughs> uh, not a real Catholic like they would call. Right. I understand that. No, you're a Catholic who's read the Bible and believes in social justice because that's what Jesus talked about, as opposed to let's be mean to gay people. Thank you, Dee. Let me go. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Thea, I think I'm a little faulty over here. Can we pick up Mike's call? Uh, Let's go to Mike in uh, in Miami, is it? Hi, Mike. Yes, I believe so. How are you doing this evening? Great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Well, whatever. That's a complicated question. Sorry, I asked you oh, the same okay. one. All right. That's <laughs> so, all right. Well, so, well you, you're in my thoughts. I hope it's all going okay. And if it's not, I hope it gets better. No, it is. But I mean, to be perfectly honest, look, I'm a suicide survivor going back 20 years. And God bless you. A, a few years later, after I sat down and started writing, trying to figure out why did I do that? Because okay. I'm not a quitter. I fight to the death. I'm not a quitter. Right. So why did I do that? And at the end of my writing, I kind of, at least for me, Personally, this is my personal arrival at understanding why I did that. It was an it was a reaction to empathy. 
an empathetic yeah. reaction to this world. I wanted out. I did not see the light at the end of the tunnel, and and this party sucks, and I want it out. And I so ever so for so I kind of talk about it openly now. Twenty years later, just in the past few years, I started talking about it. And um, you know, the story tonight with this uh, with the guy in the subway is 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 infuriating. Is completely yes. infuriating because you know. You're asking a question. What would Jesus do? Would Jesus have murdered somebody on the train because they annoyed him? I don't mm-hmm. believe so. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, I am fascinated by this nation full of tough guys. I'm I'm from the heartland. I'm from Kansas originally. I've been down here about 22 years now, Miami. And wow. um, and uh, and so, you know, we're supposed to be tough guys in America, right? So yeah, why is why is a tough guy? As you know, why is a tough guy so scared of someone who's annoying him that they're going to take murderous action? It's it's complete. Who says insanity. he's scared? Who says he's scared? He did it because he knew he could yeah, get no, away with doing point. it. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, well, yeah. that's the argument that's going to be made. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a good point. He's not. Yeah, he's looking for an opportunity. He's been waiting for that opportunity. Maybe I don't want to. I don't want to assign. I don't want to assign any like negative motive to the guy. But I mean, it's clear he knew that he could do this and get away with it and put his hands on this man before this man put his hands on anyone else. I agree, and I do think this is related to police violence because what you have, like, you know, I agree with the premise that police should be treated as heroes because they should be acting as heroes, right? Um, yes. I've had good, so I feel about I've teachers and nurses, too. Yeah. Yeah, I've had good experiences with police, and I've had horrible experiences with police. I've witnessed horrible things with police, and I've witnessed good things with police. But Same. the thing is, if you're going to be a brave person, that means you have to keep your eyes open and wait. You have to wait until yeah. a bullet's flying by you, pretty much. If you That's close it. your eyes and empty a clip, that is not bravery. If you sneak up behind somebody, put them in a chokehold for 15 minutes and just take them, that's not bravery. If you kneel on somebody's neck for nine minutes, it's not bravery. If you shoot blindly into an apartment building, that's not bravery. Where is the brave people in this country? And the answer is they're all the people that do not have guns. Those are the brave people in this country. Wow, that's a great one. That's I mean, so, listen, there's and there's there's brave people with there's brave people with guns, too. Not all gun owners are irresponsible, I, I, awful people. I understand. We got I got to say that. What, but yeah, I'll, I'll wrap I'll wrap it up with this thought. Pistols are for women. OK, pistols are for women. Men should not be walking around with a pistol in their pocket, a pistol under their seat, a pistol in the glove box. Men, if they want to be tough guys, should have pistols locked up in the closet at home and they take them out for you know, sport or for at the range in appropriate places. My okay. self-defense at home, I know where my knives are, and I've got a club by the door. I have nice. never owned a gun, and I will never own a gun. Um, that's my, well, well, the only thing I disagree with is I think all guns are for women. I, I think women home. should. Women are the only group that should be allowed to own AR-15s. Uh, women, I think, should be the only group allowed to buy guns because they've shown I'll, us that I'll they're the back. only gender we can trust with it so far. You know there's going to be a bunch of smart Alex who show you the the Blues Brothers footage of um, uh, Princess Leia with the with the automatic rifle and saying, "Oh, yeah. we can't give women guns. This is what they're going to do." So you know, I don't <laughs> well, know. I don't know. I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not. I'm not afraid of Princess Leia and the and the Blues Brothers movie. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, or I just want to say calls. I really appreciate you tonight. Your show is great, and Thank um, and uh, it's a really important you know to. to to keep airing these things and keep well, talking about Well, thank you. About I appreciate you. And thank you. And hey, 
Hey, yeah. Smokey Robbins is on the show on Friday, so it gets better. Thank you I'll, so much. Let me get one more call. Thank you, man. Let me get one more call before right. break. Let's take Judy in Las Vegas really quick. Judy, Judy, Judy. Judy, oh, thank okay. you very I was much. just going to go. I, I actually was saying that I think people are very afraid of mental mental illness, and they haven't learned how to deal with it, and the way they react to that is by trying to control it and yeah. also coming across very macho. Yeah, I agree with you. And and that's and, the problem when we ask our police, who are not trained, to be social workers with guns. Right, right. I mean, and that was, uh, and I think defund the police was totally wrong, but it was the idea of maybe there are professionals that can handle some of these issues better. That's right. I actually right. am a retired psychiatric nurse, so I have oh. some experience in this, but... Um, in something, but um, wow! I thank you for believe, your service. You're welcome. Um, but I do think, and I'm also Catholic too. But that uh, has nothing <laughs> little to do with it. But that has a I lot do, to do with it. I bet. I bet. I bet you have a thirst for justice, and that you care about you know both sides of this. Right. And That's and what I good Catholics a, I know do. I think a lot of Catholic churches are into social justice. I mean, there's still a little bit too much pro-life for me, but the church I go to, that's kind of, but less so. I mean, they're more into social justice, and I keep thinking that when I see all these things, you know, how do these people get the issue totally wrong, and that's not what, whether you're Catholic, even if, and some of the best people I know are atheists, and they're still into social justice. I don't... Same. But also people who want to do something for somebody. But, I mean, I get upset when people come up and beg for money from me. And I think they do it from older people because they figure they're the only ones who come around, walk around with Mm. cash. Because younger people don't. I mean, I live in a city city where they'll ask for money from from everyone. And and I find traditionally they do it on the subway where poor people help poor people. And working yeah. people help poor people, you know? Yeah, That's... and I mean, and my mother says, oh, they should go to church and get it. I'm like, Mom, if they go to church, they've got to present their whole story and yeah. have documentation and all that. And a lot of these people don't. And... Yeah, and again, and some churches also require you to join the church or go to services to get, you know, any kind of any kind of relief yeah. and meals. And, you know, Jesus never said, okay, here's some uh, food, but first a word from our deity. You know, if you're, if you're, if your church is making people jump through hoops to get basic care, you're, you're, you're not doing the Jesus thing. Do things to be his followers. Like, right on. you know, he said, oh, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but you know, you're still, you know, my rock. You know. Well, that's the beautiful part of the story, right? All of his friends sell him out, and he gets executed by the state, and he comes back and doesn't look for revenge. He forgives them all. It's an incredibly liberal story. Judy, thank you so much for the call. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more of your calls, and the great David Rothkopf is back to talk about Joe Biden's economics and how they might be beginning to tip the scales from Reaganomics after 40-odd years. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. 
No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm John Fickelsegg. This is SiriusXM Progress. Okay, let's get to it. There's a piece in Axios today about how Joe Biden's re-election campaign is off to a slow start, months behind where Barack Obama was for his 2012 re-election campaign, Obama being the last president to win re-election. Biden announced his bid for re-election before the campaign team was ready, and now aides are hustling to build up an organization that can take on Trump, who announced his campaign like six months ago. And unlike 2016, Trump's campaign actually appears to be somewhat organized. Now, Biden's campaign manager is Julie Chavez Rodriguez. She's now a senior White House aide, but she doesn't even start her new job for another two weeks. And the Biden campaign is relying on the DNC for all the personnel support and money. All of those ads and that big announcement video you saw for Biden last week were paid for by the DNC. In 2011, Obama's reelection announcement was paid for by his campaign. They'd already been fundraising. But Biden and the Dems aren't worried. They do believe that opposition to Trump and the abortion issue will rally the Democratic base. But our next guest actually makes a great point that Biden can just run on his own economic record and needs to start, as does the rest of the Democratic Party. David Rothkopf is CEO of the Rothkopf Group, a media company that produces podcasts, including his own Deep State Radio. It's a terrific show. He's written many books, including Running the World, The Inside Story of the National Security Council and the Architects of American Power and the terrific book Traitor, A History of betraying America from Benedict Arnold to Donald Trump and his book, American Resistance, how the inside story, the inside story of how the deep state saved the nation is out now. But his new piece is everything I've been screaming at my TV for six months now, how Bidenomics finally defeated Reaganomics. It's in the new issue of the Daily Beast, and it's a great pleasure to welcome David Rothkopf back to Sirius XM. Hello, sir. Hi, it was good to be here with you. Thank you. So you begin your piece by saying the last thing we expected when Biden became president was that he would somehow be a revolutionary. But just over two years in, there is no doubt he's done more to dramatically transform U.S. policy and thinking in more areas than any of his predecessors since Franklin Roosevelt. Um, it's a gutsy call. And I have to say, in the piece, you you really bring the receipts, David. It's way bigger than just the infrastructure plan. Why do you think Biden's campaign and Democrats in his orbit have been so reticent to really, really sell the transformative effects of his policies on our economy? Well, I don't know that they have been. I, I, maybe they haven't gotten the coverage that they, that they ought to get. Certainly the administration has committed uh, this year and next year to 
getting out there and uh, selling their message by producing results. You know, they've done this very clever washing, unwashington thing. Uh, they've ignored the buzz and they've focused on governing. And in focusing on governing, uh, they've created more jobs than any administration um, in history in two years. They've uh, created more judgeships than Obama or Trump did and well ahead of the pace of virtually every other president. Uh, they revitalized the NATO alliance. Uh, they um, uh, weakened uh, uh, one of our principal enemies, Russia, dramatically by a very clever diplomacy military strategy. Um, they have uh, uh, created the biggest infrastructure plan uh, since Eisenhower. They've created mm -hmm. the biggest uh, anti-climate uh, change effort ever in American history uh, um, uh, over the course of these uh, three bills. I, I think that, the, the, you know, the American Rescue Plan, the Infrastructure Plan and the Anti-Inflation Plan, I think the number comes close to a trillion dollars. Um, uh, so they're not just resting on their laurels, creating the jobs of yesterday. They're creating the jobs of tomorrow. The Chips and Science Act actually has people building semiconductor fabs, you know, the factories here in the United States. Uh, I could go on. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to uh, produce a list. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's terribly compelling. But what they're doing is they're going into communities and saying, see that semiconductor fab? That's 10,000 jobs in your community. See that bridge? That's going to connect downtown to here and revitalize this area. Um, you know, and and it's a remarkable um, record. Mm -hmm. But the point that I was trying to make in the article was that it's not just a remarkable record. The philosophy that has led Biden to do these things um, as he says it, middle out and bottom up, uh, is not the philosophy of the past 40 years, yeah. not of Reaganomics and not of the Reagan light, which, you know, you'll forgive me, uh, the Clinton administration, which I was in practice, and the Obama administration practice, both of which were super beholden to Wall Street, both of which had cabinets that were full of neoliberals who said, Let's control inflation. Let's listen to the bond market. And, you know, if the real economy suffers, if real people suffer, too bad we can't do anything about that. And I have to say, you know, Barack Obama is a remarkable man. He achieved some great things. I think he deserves the enduring gratitude of the American people. But I wish he were governing instead of running for reelection at that time that Axios is touting, um, I, you know, I wish more got done yeah. during that period, um, but it set the stage. It's mm -hmm. And Joe Biden watched and he came back and he said, you know something, I'm not going to be afraid to talk about a union. You know something, I'm going to focus on middle class needs. Oh, if Wall Street howls when I rescue regular people and create jobs because it's going to push up inflation a little bit, I'm going to take the hit because I think it's better to help people than to help banks or to help the 1%. He's the guy, and nobody paid attention to this, who in the beginning of the administration 
uh, with the lead of Janet Yellen, who's been an excellent Treasury Secretary, went out and created a global minimum tax for corporations of 15%. Huge deal. Huge. Most people have no idea that he did it. It's like like over-the-counter hearing aids, these incredibly transformative things that capture the news cycle for half an hour, and then they vanish. Or reducing the price of insulin, you know, Mm -hmm. from a thousand bucks to 35 bucks for uh, Medicare and Medicaid recipients. Now, you know, he wanted to do it for everybody. He's had to deal with a Republican Congress, an obstructionist Congress throughout this. And even in that respect, he, you know, he's, I think he's gotten something like 300 bipartisan bills through the Congress. It's, 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 it's a stunning change. You know, remember Reaganomics trickle down, leave it to the markets. If we give a tax right. cut to the, the, the top 1%, oh, they'll reinvest it in jobs and other well, related yeah. bullshit. It didn't work then. Reagan blew up the deficit. Um, you know, you know, just as Republicans tend to do, um, it didn't work when we offered a light version of it, um, in, in the Clinton administration, because although we created 23 million jobs, we also helped this process of accelerating inequality in America, which is the biggest problem that we've got that over the course of the past 40 years, the, the, the top 1% of the population, the top 10% have gained. The bottom 90% have fallen further and further behind. Um, and that's pulling us apart as a society. And to some degree, it's the reason that the bright red states are so angry at the government because they feel like they've gotten screwed. Unfortunately, yeah. they've picked some people to back who only want to do that and more so. You know, they've, exactly. they've, they've bet on the wrong horses. Anyway, I'm I'm going on and on here because no 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 and there's it's a, lot, a big deal. No sir, there's a, there's a lot to unpack and and one of the things that got me crazy was how can I blame can I can I bash the media for a moment uh Professor Rothkopf because one of the things that got to me was how the media would spin the infrastructure deal as a win for Biden or the the uh inflation reduction act which is the greatest investment in fighting climate change any administration's ever done a win for Biden. We were never told how these things will improve the lives of ordinary Americans. We were never conveyed through the media why these this should be viewed as a, a win for all of us. Do you think it's going to come down to people just finally seeing repairs in their town beginning this year? We're, we're going to begin to see the effects. I mean, this administration has a lot to point to. In 2021, they brought us the lowest childhood poverty rate in history. They proved it could happen. They proved that government funding can actually make these problems better. I, I, I'm with you. I think they have a lot to run on. I, I just don't know if if people are getting the message yet. Well, first of all, you know, uh, as a stroke of campaign genius, Biden has picked the MAGA Republicans to run against. Indeed. And the MAGA Republicans are stripping away the rights of women, stripping away the rights of voters, stripping away the rights of average Americans who want to be safe in the street from gun uh, gun violence. Uh, they are undermining democracy in the United States. Uh, and so, you know, Biden is going to instantly contrast with that because he opposes those things because he defends democracy because he believes in the rule of law because he understands how the constitution works you know trump said let's suspend the constitution biden 
has uh, assiduously respected it throughout his term of office. So that's one thing. Secondly, we have, you know, the recent example of the Trump administration, um, which uh, uh, was a failure in job creation, a failure in dealing with COVID, a failure in terms of foreign policy. Um, it was the most corrupt administration in history. He was you yeah. know, impeached twice, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, th th that stands in contrast to a Biden administration, which has been the most productive over its first two years of any administration since Johnson. You know, it's 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 60 years since we've seen this kind of thing. Most living Americans do not remember a president yeah. who has been this productive. Um, and and frankly, at the end of the day, a lot of faith in the American people. And if you look at the the polls, not the polls that pit Biden against, you know, candidate X, who doesn't you know, it's, it's not a specific person or policy. You look at the polls. Where do they come out on guns? Where do they come mm -hmm. out on abortion? Where do they come out on uh, uh, health care reform, on tax reform? Typically, two thirds to three quarters of the American people support these things. Democrats, independents and Republicans. These are not just winners. These are hugely popular positions and they are the positions of Joe Biden and the Democrats. Correct. You know, I was on a couple of TV shows last week on the News Nation channel, and they just wanted to talk about Biden's age. They wanted to talk about Kamala Harris's low poll numbers and Biden's low poll numbers. And I said, people are not going to vote based on these factors. They're going to vote based on the policies. Joe Biden's going to be running against 95-year-old Herbert Hoover economics. He will still ideologically be the young guy in the race in 2024. But, you know, we spent so many years watching Bill Clinton fight just to raise taxes on the wealthiest Americans by 3%. And then Bush got rid of that. Barack Obama spent his entire first term fighting to just get that same rise from 36 to 39% on the wealthiest Americans. Obama couldn't do that until his second term. I mean, we, we've seen these Democrats struggle to have any kind of progress. So when you talk about how Biden's already achieved more and been far more progressive than Obama and Clinton. I know you're going to have a lot of folks, readers and friends who will say, well, br break that down. How so? How is Biden gone farther than Obama and Clinton? And, and, and how do you respond, David? Well, I, first of all, I respond. I was in the Clinton administration. I was the trade official. I was out there. Uh, and, I, and I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, for 80 years, American trade policy was let's get the free trade deal. Whatever it is, let's get a free yeah. trade deal. Um, and then people would say, well, but this may produce some dislocations and people may lose their jobs. And we would say a rising tide lifts all boats, but it didn't mm -hmm. lift all boats. In fact, it swamped a lot of boats and we didn't have an alternative. Joe Biden has said, no, we're not going to do that. When we were competing in international uh, trade, we were competing against almost exclusively against countries that had a national industrial policy that said, we need to have the supply chains that protect our security. We need to have the industries that will feed our people and fuel our growth. Um, we didn't. If I brought up industrial policy in the Clinton administration, I would have gotten kicked out of the room. I but know. Biden, Biden has said, we're not reflexively going to free trade. We're going to go to good deals that are fair for us 
that take into consideration labor and environmental issues. Biden said, we are going to have an industrial policy. This is a huge reversal because Reaganomics and Reaganomics light was leave the government out of it. Let the markets make decisions. And last week, the National Security Advisor of of this uh, administration, Jake Sullivan, gave a speech at Brookings, which I wrote about in the article, mm-hmm. which I encourage people to go and read. As as you know, as you know, most people are like, "Oh, I got to read a Brookings speech," but but go read this, <laughs> go read this speech, because he goes out and he lays all this stuff out, and he explains a philosophy of engaging with the world to help the American people, a philosophy where foreign policy and national security depend on economic security and economic security depends on the middle in America doing better, on the bottom in America doing better. And the government has a big role to play in ensuring all of those things. It's the opposite of Reaganomics. Um, And, you know, yes, our tax code is screwed up. Yes, we're the only OECD nation that doesn't have health care for everybody. Yes, we need to do more on climate. We need to do more on infrastructure. There are a lot of things we need to do more on. I'd like to see five more years of Joe Biden appointing judges, yes. uh, particularly at the highest level. But if you if 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 you look at just what has been done so far, He's closed the book on that. And, you know, people, former colleagues of mine, you know, Larry Summers, former Treasury Secretary, he was out there howling. Oh, no, we need more uh, unemployment so that we fight inflation. And I was like, what the hell? You know, these are millions of human beings. You know, we're not going to sacrifice them to the whims and vagaries of irrational markets. right. Jake Sullivan specifically said it that you know most of American policy for the past 40 years has been based on the idea that markets allocate capital fairly always. Mm-hmm. Yes. Leave it way. to the markets, right? Mm-hmm. But we know it's bullshit. The markets don't care about old people. The markets don't care about the next major industrial revolution, you know, the the AI. The markets don't care about those things. They care about short-term gains. Mm -hmm. Um, They care about what the other guy on either side of them is doing. That's it. Uh, They are rational. And, you know, all of us who are old enough to vote have lived through market crashes. And those of us who are a little older have lived through lots of them. Because the markets don't self-regulate. I mean, just go back to Silicon Valley Bank a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and so he, you know, but he said no, no on the free trade, no on on the industrial policy, reverse the policy, uh, no to this idea of leave it all to the markets, uh, no to the idea of letting the one percent get whatever they want. Um, it's a revolution. It doesn't I mean, have. I- Go on. Well, I, I, I certainly hope so. That's what I'm praying for. And that's what I'm, I'm consciously <laughs> optimistic we're living through. You quote uh, NSA advisor Sullivan um, in your piece and say that our goal is a strategy that invests in the sources of our own economic and technological strength that promotes diversified and resilient global supply chains that sets high standards for everything from labor and the environment to trusted technology and good governance that deploys capital 
to deliver on public goods like climate and health. That's one of the most progressive things I've ever heard an NSA advisor talk about, as opposed to the GOP model I've had my whole life, David, which is more or less cut taxes for the job creators and drill baby drill. That's as sophisticated as it's gotten on the right. That's right. And people are dying of our healthcare system. The leading cause of bankruptcy in America, which is a national embarrassment, is healthcare costs. Um, mm-hmm. In every other country in the world, you are taken care of. People do not age and die with dignity in the United States. Uh, the servants, you know, the the fact that Republicans uh, uh, are servile before major corporate sectors has got us to this obscene crisis with guns in the United States of America, where they just want to protect the ability of the gun lobby to sell to sell to lunatics, to sell to people with criminal records, to sell to people who beat their wives, to sell to people who are under 21, to carry the guns wherever they go. And no matter what happens, they're not going to change that. Well, that's Mm -hmm. super unpopular with the American people. And I think that, you know, we've that there is there is progress to be made there. Uh, It's interesting. The Republicans don't want to regulate markets. The only thing they seem to want to regulate are the uteruses of women. You know, the only thing they want to seem to regulate are um, uh, elections to the degree that it allows the majority to express their view because they know they're a minority party. Well, that's not fair. They also want to legislate transgender girls playing sports, David. They've got a very broad palette of legislative. Yeah, no, because that's a huge issue facing America. It affects all of us right now. Yeah. And, you know, but having said that, their position is ridiculous, but it's also indecent. And and here's the other thing about Joe Biden. He ignores the bullshit. He ignores the buzz. He doesn't go after Trump every day. He puts his head down. He tries to get stuff done. But anybody who has met him, listened to him, watched him, understands that at his core is fundamental decency, kindness, compassion, the qualities you want in a government leader, um, and, you know, you, that's not to say that he's weak. He mm-hmm. stood up to Putin in a way that Trump didn't, Obama didn't, Correct. and Bush didn't. You know, he has taken the biggest national security crisis we have faced in the course of the past, I don't know, since World War II, and uh, masterfully increased the size of our alliance. He is, he's actually conducted the pivot out of the Middle East to the Indo-Pacific region and started to address the challenge that is going to be posed by China. These these are any one of those things would be a bigger accomplishment uh, in the individual areas that I'm talking about than we've had from recent presidents. And he's done all of them. He's done, he's done all it with them. with barely any kind of majority in the Congress, and he's done it while also handling Europe's largest land war since World War II and making NATO stronger than it's ever been. I mean, my yeah, God, and, I, and I'll say I'll say one other Biden. thing, which Please. I'm sorry, but I'll say one other thing, which I I think I said the last time I was talking to you, but it bears repeating. He did it with his first class team, including his first class vice president. She has traveled to Europe. She has traveled to Africa. She has traveled to the Middle East. She has traveled to Latin America. She Mm -hmm. has traveled to Southeast Asia and Asia. She has dealt with world leaders. They respect her. Of all the people on the planet Earth, other than Joe Biden, 
who actually have experience at the highest level of the United States government, she's number one. And she has done a terrific job. And now, as we go into an election, which is going to be decided by what? Abortion? Guns? Who's in the lead on those issues? That's right. Who's the best spokesperson on those issues? This bullshit about Kamala Harris, you know, not being popular... Vice president. You know what that's about. You know what that's about. I, I know it's racism I said, and I misogyny. Said to Dan Abrams last week. I'm like, we never had these conversations about Mike Pence. Since when has anyone cared about the job the vice president is doing before? Well, it was also, a woman? but the but the whole poll thing is bullshit because completely because historically, vice presidents poll at or within a point or two of the president, and so is she. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the way the world thinks and you know about these things um and biden has had a depressed level because we live at a moment of huge national division and media bubbles and you can't compare poll numbers from 2023 to poll numbers from 1973 it's just different but you know it 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 doesn't take scrutiny to understand the magnitude of the accomplishments or the quality of the people. It just takes paying, passing attention to the news each day. You know, going, you know, you talked about Twitter, you know, it's it's just follow Twitter. The trolls look like idiots because they're idiots. Um, And well, you know, they, 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 they they do, including the proprietor of Twitter. Indeed. But let me let me let me let me quote you one last time from this excellent piece in The Daily Beast. Mr. Rothkopf, you say Biden is the man who finally slew Reaganomics and the huckster's brew of trickle down and the markets know best policies at its core. He's the one who at last put an end to the Washington consensus that has served the rich worldwide and left the poor to struggle with little too little support. He at last ended the slavish deference of Washington neoliberals to Wall Street and the consequent grotesque growth and inequality and injustice it has fueled. I love it. Has he has he really? I mean, I I don't doubt it's gotten better. My concern is that is it permanent? Is Biden going to leave office and we'll go right back to neoliberal business as usual? We could. And clearly, I probably could have and should have said he's ended it for the moment. Um, uh, And let's be honest. The United States system of government is profoundly corrupt. The rich can write bigger checks, you know, ever since Citizens United, when they said money is speech, although that meant that people with more money had more speech. That's it. Uh, and uh, the, the, the decisions that they've made on voting rights and other kinds of things have tilted the scales towards a minority, towards the rich, and they have fought tooth and nail so that they get to keep more, that they get to acquire more, that they get to control more. Um, so this has been an uphill struggle for Biden. It's remarkable to me that he's gotten as much as he has done done. But that brings me to another point, my final big point here, which is the election in 2024 is not on what Biden has done. The election in 2024 is about where you want to be on January 20th, 2029. It's Mm -hmm. about the four years after. And if Biden is appointing judges for those four years, if Biden is deepening these policies for those four years, if Biden is making more medicine affordable, if Biden is making the tax system fairer, if Biden gets those four years, 
it's going to be much harder to turn the clock back. And frankly, it'll be harder because most Americans will see that would be a terrible idea. David Rothkopf is CEO of the Rothkopf Group. He is the host and producer of Deep State Radio, which is highly recommended. His book, American Resistance, the inside story of how the deep state saved the nation, is out now and you should own it. And the new piece, uh, you can find it on my Twitter, while Twitter still exists, for the Daily Beast, how Bidenomics finally defeated Reaganomics. David, I'm so grateful to you. Every time you come here, you class up the joint and you seriously bring so much facts and logic to every debate. It's an honor to learn from you. Thank you for joining us. It's a real pleasure, John. Thanks. Thank you.